0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Damel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Jared Utoff. Absolute rail. (laughs) So skitty.
0: There's nothing wrong with a skinny white guy, first off. Some people, especially women, have a preference for skinny white guys as far as I, as far as I know, personal personal experience.
1: Well, I'm glad that you spoke up because I will be repping a player later in my starting five with a huge ass, and that might actually be a spoiler alert. So, if you're repping skinny white guys, I'm going to be repping guys with big asses. But Jared Utah regardless, forward for Iowa, correct? Correct. Bald head. I mean, he, he was typecast. He was perfect for Iowa, but Jared Utah subscribe. So you should as well. Check out the website at the Barnburner.com. That's the dash And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB theater. You should also follow me at suby two, three, two to find out where the seat is. And Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by blue note, artfully crafted, small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy Memphis. Taylor, how's the move, man?
0: Uh, just awesome. Always good moving is always fun. Moving about a mile and a half down the street. Um, actually, let's let's use this. Is this a safe place to vent about moving? Yes. The okay,
1: uh, Titch is for uh, this. Is the theater? This is the open stage. If you want a soliloquy, do it. What what's wrong?
0: Do you ever just wish that your girlfriend wasn't involved in the move with you, and you could just ship everything over to the other house without having to like neatly pack it up and package it? That I'm, assu- me.
1: I'm assuming that's a rhetorical question because I <laughs> I would be lost without it, when we moved when we moved from Phoenix, dude. I didn't coordinate one thing. I didn't put anything on on offer up. I like didn't do shit.
0: Well, that's a cr- that's a cross like country move. That needs to be some kind of uh you know you need to actually pack things up and whatever. We're moving a mile down the street. We don't need to carefully wrap every single plate. Like let's just throw it in there and hold it on the way over to the house and in 15 minutes we'll be back. But you know,
1: that's the type of mentality though, that I feel like you need. Right. So that's the exact same mentality that has spruced up a a, a house that has replaced like, I don't know, just some raggedy shitty towel with an actual bath towel or a hand (laughs) towel. You know, you you can't split it up. You, You have to take into account, like you have to take with you, uh the we need to wrap every single plate up because it comes with the I'm gonna make this bathroom look good. Does that make True. sense?
0: True. It's uh I was gonna say the yin to the yang, but I think it would be maybe call it be because this is a college basketball podcast, the pick to the role of the move. You know, sometimes you need a pick. Is is the person who's packing everything up carefully, are they the pick or are they the role?
1: Well, what's I that's a good question.
0: I think I think the person who wraps everything up this. comfortably is the role because they're the finisher.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, but right? who who's responsible for transport? Like so actually the, transporting They're also the
0: it. pick. They're also the pick, though. Too. God, this is tough. This is tough.
1: Like if I'm okay. So if I'm if it's between us right now, right? Let's say I pack and, and wrap everything up, and it's your job to transport it to our destination safely
0: that's got to be the role right Right. yeah okay so maybe danielle my girlfriend is the pick she's the person who's putting this all together setting up or she's the instance represented by a person who's setting up the play and then i'm just rolling to the new house to set it up
1: so here's what we need to do two things one we need to call upon bill raftery because i feel like he would be i don't know why he was the number one name that popped into my head that could help us out with this dilemma but number two we need to workshop a term for whenever we see a pick and roll this upcoming okay. season okay. and include something with moving packing the dishes again this is a workshop we may not even ever get around to it i'm just spitballing here
0: and let's let, let's hope that someone one of our listeners on twitter can help us out with this i'm needing a better analogy or at least the better interpretation interpretation of this analogy for my current situation. Uh, maybe the pick and pop would have been a better uh, better one. Maybe a backdoor cut. Shout out to the backdoor P- cut podcast here on the Barn Burner Podcast Network. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I could have thought about that a little more, but I was just kind of venting. And I, but I think pick and roll. We could work with something off that. Off that. So, but yeah, moving. We found a, a little decent spot over there on the canal. Beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. 69 degrees today nice thank you and uh yeah is we're deep i got a hoodie on we're deep in fall weather right now perfect time to move the first time in 11 years of living in arizona that i didn't move in the dead heat of early august
1: well you finally learned your lesson
0: yeah Right. Or I just finally continued to convince landlords to let me stay longer and longer and longer and longer so that I could actually wait and get into more comfortable time of year to move.
1: It is true that we have approached an age now where we should probably stop moving and renting every two seconds. Right. We should probably be owning a home and if not staying in a particular place for more than just a year. So,
0: well, I have been at this house for five or six years. So at least That's I got to win. Point down. Yeah. You know, That's a huge one. So- you know, Subi, I did have to take your artwork off the wall today, and I know that's an emotional moment for both of us. I did have a, a tear in my eye when I took down your wine and paint uh, art off the wall of your former bedroom. So that was a pretty emotional moment for me.
1: I shared a thug tear, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this is, for those listening, it's not real art, actually. It is one of those paintings that you paint during a paint and sip class. I think I just set the record for number of times saying paint in one sentence. But like when you're when you're at one of those paint and sip classes, that's what he's referring to. And I went to like ten of those when it, at my former employer because that was their quote unquote work off site. I mean, after two, you kind of get the point, but at least we drew completely something something different. But that's why Taylor had to take those down. There was probably what, like four, five, three. three. Okay.
0: Now, and can I add something to that? This is not going to be the last time I bring up a painter here today on this podcast.
1: I guess we're both spoiling <laughs> shit now. <laughs> but that makes me happy because uh, he is not my coach of the year, which yeah, okay. I'm assuming, which is where maybe you're I'm not.
0: Maybe at. maybe it's not. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. We'll see. you will just have to continue to listen to find out.
1: All right, so the Big Ten, that is a nice teaser into our preview today. Great episode for you ahead. The Big Ten, we will be previewing. And Taylor, you were in Kansas last weekend, and appropriately, we discussed the Big 12. I currently live in Big Ten country here in Chicago, and I know people are getting fired up with basketball season coming around. One of the greatest basketball cities in the entire country. Bulls are back. They just lost a heartbreaker, so par for the course. Everyone's really back into the basketball season. Uh, DePaul had a preseason game yesterday or an exhibition game. But I think a lot of people are very excited uh, for Big Ten basketball because Chicago is really a melting pot, and it is – it's a melting pot of of different colleges. You walk outside, you see sweaters of Iowa, you see sweaters of Indiana, clearly the most tradition-rich team in the entire conference. You see sweaters for Ohio State, for Michigan, and of course for the home state, Illinois. And it's funny because we were talking about this prior to getting on the air. The Big Ten is one of the most intriguing, interesting conferences with a variety of really good players, a variety of Big-time coaches, names that are poised to break out, poised to get to a Final Four, and poised to potentially win a national title. So there's a lot of tiers here in the Big Ten. And just a quick b- recap about what they did last year. This was one of the best years a conference could ever have, really, outside of the ACC. Uh, that one year where they got, like, every single team in the tournament. I think we know which, which, what I'm talking about. But last year, the Big Ten had eight teams go to the tournament. Michigan State being the lone representative in the Final Four, in the first round those teams went seven and one. That's about as good as you can expect a conference to do on the whole, and then transfer that into the tournament. Now, of course, there is that stigma of not having won since Michigan State's last uh, last title, which was in what two thousand with Izzo, Mateen right. Cleaves, right, Mo Pete, So the Big Ten as a whole is kind of struggling with a crisis that the Pac-12 is as well, which hasn't won a title since, I've, what is it, Arizona, right? 1997. 97, 97 yeah. which for it's us...
0: wild, by the it's, way. It's Both crazy. of those stats are wild, because the Pac-12, I think you could say, um, it's, it's down more often than any other conference. The Big Ten is rarely down because that would mean that like Michigan State and the Ohio State and Michigan all these kind of more not blue blood Michigan State's a blue blood but high level universities and athletic programs have had would all have to have down years at the same time so it's just interesting that there's a lot of final fours in there over the last 19 years but there's no there's no rings there's no net and that's uh, it's pretty crazy. It doesn't. It's not super surprising with the Pac-12 because you think, okay, that's almost in the last 20 years. It's almost totally up to Arizona, UCLA, and then Oregon that one year. Maybe Washington sprinkled in there. In the Big Ten, you could look at maybe six or seven schools and go, they've been right there a, in a couple times. So yeah, really interesting. Uh, i it'd be interesting to go back and look, and it's in it. I, I wish you'd have brought this up before the show. Share your notes, because we could have gone and looked and seen how many times they've lost in the title game in the last twenty years.
1: Well, let's—I I can already lot, think of three off the top of my head: Michigan twice, and then Michigan State against Carolina in 2009. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. four. See, this is uh, this this proves to be a lot better than just being trapped. Illinois.
0: Illinois.
1: Illinois against yeah. uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. So That's five.
0: That's already twenty percent, twenty-five percent of the last. 20 years
1: i was Uh, gonna say i was gonna say more recently the big 10 is gonna look at the state of michigan and be like what the hell guys yeah right right. well so that i mean if we look at it title by title let's let's start with illinois versus carolina i think they were simply outmatched both both the illinois carolina game and the michigan state carolina game which followed i think five years later carolina was was just better
0: game was over before it started pretty much those
1: were all Carolina teams, if you think about it, and I remember the 2009 team they 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 went wire to wire number one mention, team all year
0: did you get Ohio State in there?
1: No no five, yeah, I guess so, Florida. Six, so there's sure. six
0: yeah so yeah. yeah you're talking about essentially one of every three years the last three years the big ten or one of every one in every three years over the last 18 19 years, a big Ten school has lost
1: in the championship game that's crazy that, that is that is wild.
0: That is hard hitting big J journalism here, uh research here at the at college basketball theater. Look, we theater like to college tr- basketball.
1: We like to try and pay as much attention to every single conference as possible, but to be quite honest, we're not on the Rothstein level. We're not on like a Seth Davis, we're not on a Andy Katz type level. So the fact that we've just Fuck. discovered this right now is
0: don't give crazy. Andy Katz that much credit.
1: Okay, fine. Fuck Andy Katz.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. But
1: like the fact that we just unraveled this right now, it's it's very eye opening to me that Ohio State lost to Florida, which was an admirable game. I mean, yeah. Greg Oden was hurt, and you're going up against what some consider the greatest team team of all time in college basketball. And then you've got who did we say? We said uh, <coughs>
0: Michigan, Michigan,
1: twice. Michigan twice. I mean that Gonzaga game, uh, not Gonzaga. Excuse me, that uh, Villanova game. Was just they they were never going to win. That was another great team with Divincenzo going insane. The Louisville game, that one probably hurts because Mm -hmm. they had uh, Trey Burke and just uh, they had a lot of good players on that team. And that was a that was a battle. And I remember that Trey Burke block was yes was kind of the turning point because they called it either I think they called a foul on it
0: and it was clean, clean, Mm -hmm. clean.
1: So Michigan, Michigan's got a, got a split right there. One that they could have won Villanova. You weren't really going to win that game. Right. So Ohio state tough to go up against that Florida team. Fine. Wisconsin, you're going up against the Duke team, which is always going to be difficult, but that Wisconsin team also was a day, two days removed from beating uh, that
0: Kentucky undefeated Kentucky. Right.
1: Exactly. So that could have been a missed opportunity and, it's got to hurt even more because Grayson Allen came out of nowhere. And before he acted up like a dickhead was like everyone who hates Wisconsin's savior. And then we that have...
0: was, uh, was that, was that the worst game of our lifetime?
1: Yeah, hundred oh, percent. It was just a lose it. lose.
0: Yeah. I just, just awful. I just wanted to throw myself into traffic no matter who won that game.
1: Coach K with another title or Bo Ryan and that Wisconsin team that's beaten us two years in a row in the Elite Eight with a title.
0: Ugh. Ugh.
1: That's why That's why I was honestly like, just give it to Coach K because this will just be another. Like, I feel like Duke fans even forget that they beat Wisconsin in that title game. Right. It was just kind of a nondescript title. But if Wisconsin had won, oh, we're we wouldn't hear the end of it.
0: Hold on. I'm interrupting you. We're forgetting about Indiana losing to Maryland in '02 as well.
1: Yeah, that was within the past 20 oh, years.
0: So that's seven Holy losses shit. in the national title game in the last 19 years. Do you think the
1: Do you think the Big Ten will count that though? Because Maryland's not part of the Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'd give them a bone somehow.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's funny, obviously, because yeah, I guess they would have gotten that as a win, but still that that's two teams i guess you could say that we're from the big 10 we're in the in the final yeah that is just i mean that is wild
1: and then michigan state getting their doors blown off basically in their own backyard in detroit but no one's going to no one's going to call them out on that because that carolina team was incredible
0: and that's not even counting let's see i'm doing oh the this. final let's, force let's do it live uh one jesus one Two, three, four, five. Good lord. Six. Oh man, seven. Other Final Four appearances in that time too. That are separate. That are teams that are separate from the ones that that lost in the title game. Sheesh. So that's fourteen Final Four appearances and seven national championship losses for the Big Ten in the last 20 years, or since their last title.
1: We already have our hugs, but I think I might do a quick like early show hug for the Big Ten. I had yep. no idea how inept they were when it came down to clutch basketball. At least Pac-12 like doesn't really get there. You could argue that those early 2000s UCLA teams with Russ, Ben Howland, and Kevin Love going to the Final Four every single year, but damn, that is a ah. widespread plague. I feel like that the Big Ten has, is still suffering from.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I mean you realize this stuff, but then you, until you actually talk about it, that's, that is crazy that they. I mean, you could be talking about if things just and those games are coin flips. A couple blowouts in there. Don't get me wrong, but generally, once you get to the elite eight you would say that every game from there is pretty much a coin flip because you're talking about either the eight best teams in the country or, like, the seven best teams in the country and the hottest team in the country, like a South Carolina a couple of years ago. But um, this, yeah, it could have been – you might be talking about the most dominant stretch of a conference, even above anything the ACC has done, in in college basketball history outside of – well, UCLA, but I don't even – whatever. John Wooden, right? whatever, whatever. But at least in the modern area, that is wild to say that. So 14 Final Four appearances in in the last 19 years for a conference is absurd. Wow.
1: And it's not to say that they haven't had some of their fortune on the way to those title games, right? If we remember Michigan, sure. Michigan sure. Ended, ended up playing Villanova, but who did they play in the Final Four to get to Villanova? And it was a great story, but they played Loyola Chicago, right? right? Let's, yeah. think, let's, let's right. think about that. But then even before that, I think in the first round, maybe the second round, they played Houston, and I think it was Jordan Poole who hit the game winning crazy shot in uh, you know from behind the behind the arc on the right hand side, so right.
0: yeah, I mean, but, well, I mean that, that is need, crazy though you need good fortune to make the even hey, even loyal Chicago's in big Ten country, so they they even felt the vibe on that,
1: yeah, yeah, I suppose they did, but we're looking ahead now, it's going to be an exciting year in the Big Ten a lot. A lot of people would say, including myself, that the best team in the entire country resides in the Big Ten, that the best player potentially in the entire country resides in the Big Ten. But we'll start first with coach, and you alluded to him a little bit earlier, but who's your coach of the year in the Big Ten?
0: I'm going with Matt Painter again from Purdue. This would be his fifth coach of the year award in the Big Ten. And I think that why Painter is going to win it this year is I think – he has built one of the most underrated programs in the country. Purdue has the most Big Ten titles. Let's, let's, let's all remember that, by the way. They have the most Big Ten regular season titles of any school in the Big Ten. They won the Big Ten last year. And what I think continues to happen is we look at Purdue over and over again and go, they lost a lot last year. But they've built such a program that is that is unnecessary of having big time recruits that are just continually successful. As we all probably forget, or the casual fan forgets, Purdue won the Big 10 last year. And I think that they're gonna they're gonna have another successful season this year, just simply because they have an old, old team. A big, old team this year. Uh, they got Matt Harms.
1: Is Robbie Hummel still there?
0: Yeah, right, on his 14th ACL. They, they, Everyone on their starting lineup, except for one, is a, going to be a redshirt. So they're going to have two redshirt sophomores, a redshirt junior, a redshirt senior is a transfer in Jihad Proctor, and a junior. And when you have that kind of returning uh, talent every year, whether it's high-end talent or not, you just have that kind of continuity in college basketball usually equals wins because it's going to, well, there's so many newcomers obviously in and out of college basketball every year, but even more so in the current times we live in because of one and done type of recruits and whatnot. But a school like Purdue just keeps chugging. That was an unintentional uh, train pun right there. But they just keep rolling along. And I think Matt Painter, again, is going to be right up there for the coach of the year. I think that they're going to have a little run in the tournament like they seem to always do. And, you know, a good stat I saw about them today is I don't know know if you love Ken Palm or not or if you even like any, you know, that Ken Palm type of stuff. But they finished in the top 10 in Ken Palm rankings three of the last four years. And that is just a sign, if nothing else, of just – Continuity and Matt Painter has produced or is now built one of the uh, most consistent programs in the country.
1: Yeah, Matt Painter is is a fantastic coach. I, I do love Matt Painter, and I think he's, he's actually he's
0: underrated somehow. Still, still,
1: yeah, he, I think he's perfect for those Purdue expectations. I don't think Purdue doesn't it really has a, a final four type expectations national championship type expectations but the run that he went on last year was exactly what they're looking for and i think he avenged himself for the previous few years where they kind of just fizzled out in the first round of the tournament uh, against maybe some mid-major teams and maybe just choking a little bit because purdue has had some pretty bad luck we have a good friend Jonas, who went to purdue and it seems as if they share some of the same bad luck that arizona can in the in the in the tournament, but Matt Painter and Purdue, if you think about it as a fan, obviously you want to win as many games and win titles, but it's, it's tough. We've said it a million times on this show that winning a title in college basketball is pretty, it can be a crapshoot. Like, like we said, Loyola, Chicago, South Carolina, those two teams were in final fours very recently. But if you're a Purdue fan, you have to feel very fortunate that basically for the past 30 some odd years, 30 plus some odd years. I don't know the exact timing of it. You've had Gene Cady and Matt Painter as your head coach. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't get more stable than that. And, and you're not going to get for sure a tournament berth every single year. I mean, I'm sure Purdue's making making a solid case for number of tournament berths in a row. So paint crew, Matt Painter, I, I do love him. And I, I like what he's obviously done at Purdue. He's solidified. Uh, so, and, and you know what? He's got an absolute stranglehold on the state of Indiana in terms of basketball. He is light years better than Indiana and Butler and Notre Dame.
0: So I would say that Matt Painter isn't even going to need to win the conference this year to win coach of the year because I think a lot of media people would, will see that they lost Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein and, uh, and that you know that's a lot to lose. But it's maybe a lot to lose more from an outside looking in. Don't get me wrong. Those guys are they're studs. But Matt Painter probably knows the talent that he has available to him. and so. But I, I think the media will look and be like, oh, my God, they lost Carson Edwards. They lost Klein. Carson Edwards, future Steph Curry, Boston Celtic.
1: That's, I mean, that's, that's basically – so we talk about expectations. Elite eight or so is Matt Painter's expectations. Uh, my expectations for Carson Edwards are Steph Curry. So.
0: Yeah. Right. If not better. Exactly. So, right. So I, I think I, I don't even think they need to win the conference for Matt Painter to win a coach of the year, because I think you'll look if Michigan State wins the conference. Is Izzo going to get coach of the year? Izzo hasn't won coach of the year no. since 2010. And then that is just a shame because this is what happens. The coach of the year award is kind of an arbitrary award, really when it comes to the player of the year award is generally, yeah, this guy was the best player in the conference because obviously they're only going to be there for a couple of years. So it's not like they're going to win it 10 times in a row, but you can give this award to Izzo almost every single year. And as we've previously discussed, Izzo always likes to sneak a little loss in there early. And I think people just kind of fall off the wagon. And then by the time that the voting is done for coach of the year, Izzo's back to another final four and everyone's like, Oh, well, shit, he's awesome. He's still Tom Izzo, and so that's the that's really my reason for not going with Izzo is because it, it, he's got the expected maybe national player of the year on his roster this year. They are like the not unanimous number one team in the country, but they certainly are the consensus number one team in the country. So I think that um, that's the reason that he won't win the coach of the year. Uh, but that's co- completely debatable because say if they, they if they go like something like you know, 30 and one before the tournament, something like that, then yeah, you kind of have to give them coach of the year, but it's all about what, what you know, what the interpretation of, how good they are preseason to what the finish is. Because let's say they don't win the conference, then Izzo's definitely not winning coach of the year if they don't win the conference because the expectation was for them to win the conference and go to the Final Four. They have Final Four or bust expectation this year.
1: Exactly. I feel like almost every single conference, with the exception of maybe the Pac-12 and the ACC, has a coach that is expected to win a national title. And if, if they steamroll their way to a conference title, conference tournament title, it still won't mean anything, right? Until you get to a Final Four and win the national title. And those guys are Tom Izzo, Bill Self, John Calipari. And so right. you look at a team like Bill Self's, you look at a Kansas, a program like Kansas, you look at a program like Michigan State, they're not, they're, they're. never going to go that 30-1. and It they, 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 they just won't happen, right? They're prone to losing some of those games. And we've said Michigan State will probably lose game one, and they might lose game two or three. Uh, right. Maybe not not in a row, but they will, they will lose game one. I wouldn't be shocked at all. And then you look at a team like Kansas, they're, they're known to drop a couple games as well. Maybe not in the Big 12 regular season, but out of conference. A team like Kentucky, now if they go 30-1, and one, which they literally did, then Coach Cal, I could see getting, <coughs> getting coach of the year, things like that. But right. Kentucky's a team that is built and that has shown that they can go an entire season without losing a game up until maybe the final four. These other two teams, they're going to be great, and they're probably not going to fall outside of the top five, but you just can't see them losing more than – or you can't see them only uh, losing like zero games. Not not going to happen.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, so that's why I have uh, Painter as my coach of the year.
1: Real quick, I wanted Go to ahead. circle back actually to a point that you made, a really good point that you made about the talent that we see from Purdue leaving, and it doesn't seem to really matter because he just keeps winning. And that's so true because that talent was never necessarily great to begin with. I think he's done a great job of developing guys like Caleb Swannigan. Yep. Uh, the well, Swannigan,
0: Swannigan was a big-time recruit. Sure. Right, right.
1: But He was fat as hell. <laughs> like –
0: he was I, thick. It was thick. Okay. He was thick.
1: I might say he was fat as hell, but he's he's in he's in great shape now. And he had to, he he had a pro career. I don't know. He might be in the G League, but regardless, Swanigan left. They kept winning. Who was their huge freak? Isaac uh Isaac something. Hoss. Isaac Haas. Thank you. It was Haas and Harms for Yeah, it was like imp- a year it's impossible there. for me to keep those two straight because they're like part of the Aryan brotherhood together like all, all white
0: people all white people look the same Sui.
1: blonde hair i mean those two actually do look the same they're like seven feet in blonde hair but yeah. haas he left important part of the team <laughs> nobody really heard of carson edwards a year ago maybe two years ago two, two years ago yeah. I, I should say mm-hmm. he's gone ryan klein one of the greatest shooters uh in their program's history to dakota matthias another mm. really good shooter these are names that, you're right, are have come and gone, but the train keeps rolling.
0: You know, if you were a really good editor at these podcasts, you would put in a like a choo-choo sound right there.
1: Fuck it. Is that, that a challenge?
0: It. I, it, it might be. It might okay. be. Yeah. I'll give you Let's a train. See. Okay. You okay.
1: want a train? I'll give you a train.
0: Okay. Okay. I love it. Now this this is next level. Now we're just improving on a weekly basis here with our abilities. I love this. I love it. It's a it's a lot like college basketball. You know, you start with some talent, but in the beginning, but you got to still figure out how to make it grow as we roll along. Another train pun, and that's what we're looking at right here. So love that. So do you want coach of the or uh, player of the year or winner of the conference? Let's
1: we'll start with player of the year.
0: So I tried my damnedest to convince myself to pick someone else. And I almost, almost wanted to go with Lamar Stevens from Penn State, who is just a stud, averaged 28 and 8 and 2 last year on a, you know, a, a not so great Penn State team. Penn State might have a tournament team this year, though. Maybe there's a lot of teams at the bottom of this conference that have an opportunity to make the tournament. But I just really – I couldn't go away from Cassius Winston. And he's like the unanimous or the consensus like player of the year in the country. He's going to lead this Michigan State team to what I expect to be at least a Final Four. And I, I, really, I really wanted to find a way to not pick him. But it, it's just almost – you're almost just being a contrarian if you don't, which I am uh, more often than not kind of a contrarian when it comes to these type of picks. But I just couldn't be in this situation. Uh, it almost goes without saying to, as the why. He is literally just the best player in the country. He's uh, the best guard on the best team in the country. He's, uh, he was a unanimous preseason player of the year for the Big Ten pick by the media. I mean, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost too Tom Izzo to have such a stud senior guard on to lead the this michigan state team and it's almost because langford is hurt that pushed me over the top to not even be able to go contrarian because now he's going to in the first half of the season he's going to have to pick up that load too um along with uh you know freshman rocket watts on that team is probably going to have to have a little bit of that load as well and then uh therefore forward xavier tillman had to step will have to step up and fill that role not the same exact role but maybe take you know, uh, get a couple more buckets for them because Langford's out. But that's still mostly going to fall on Cassius Winston. And my notes literally say Cassius Winston. Duh. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to figure out a way not to. Although, if there was going to pick, if there was going to pick two other guys, it would be Anthony Cowan from Maryland and then Lamar Stevens from Penn State. I think more people are going to understand how good Anthony Cowan is this year, another senior guard uh, from Maryland there. But because Maryland's going to be good, excuse me. And Lamar Stevens, Penn State team's not going to be great. They might not even make the tournament. They, they are going to be a potential tournament team, but uh, Cassius Winston just kind of pass him up.
1: Yeah, so this kind of – let's start with Lamar Stevens here, first and foremost. I think He is great, but he kind of has that – Anthony Edwards scenario where not only is your team bad and you won't make the tournament, but it's not like you're even a basketball school, right? So nobody cares about Penn state. Like Penn state basketball is probably in my opinion, along with Rutgers, the most irrelevant basketball team in the conference. You could say the same about Georgia and the sec. They are clear cut football schools that nobody cares about. When it comes to basketball. So that's working against uh Lamar. In terms of Anthony Cowan, yeah, I I I was considering him as well, and I still may have him, but Mark Turgeon just sucks.
0: He's just awful.
1: I and and we'll get to that when when we discuss our coaches of the year, but I just feel like Mark (laughs) Turgeon can't have nice things, and it's he's he's gonna He's going to do something with Anthony Cowan that I'm I'm afraid of, but I, I like the Cassius pick. My only concern is because of the amount of experience that Cassius has and he's been to a Final Four, is he going to be looking ahead to the postseason already and just be completely over the regular season? So I suppose I'll ask you that.
0: It's almost like a load management thing in the NBA, right? Where it's like, okay, are we? Do we even need to win the? Does it? Does it matter if we win the conference or not? And that's something that I think Michigan State potentially going to struggle with as a whole without Langford. And but that's also what makes someone like Castro Swinson, a senior, so important to keep the team together. Say, hey, this is important. These are our goals. And it's also why having someone like Bill Self is imp- or uh, Tom Izzo is important. But I I, I can hundred percent see that where it's like you know. It's we're at Rutgers on a Tuesday night. Do I need to have 23, 9, and 4 tonight? No. I can defer. I can, I can kick it to these other guys. I can have – Rocket Watts can play 15 minutes tonight, and we can play together. We, you know, these learning type of experience that you might need the younger guys on the team to have. And so I could see Cassius Winston not deferring, But maybe not, and this is not an indictment on Cassius Winston's abilities or mindset or anything like that at all, because I think he's one of the best competitors in the country as well. But I could certainly see them having a, okay, what's the big picture here versus like what's the uh, day-to-day, game-to-game important situations that we have to deal with. I could see them thinking to themselves, well, we just need to get to the tournament. None of this shit matters you know Rutgers on a tuesday night does it matter you know so what we lose and we fall to the number 6 team in the country and then we win three more games and we're back to number 2 or one again yeah i i think that's a very low likelihood but i could see that that would be the only potential reason to not maybe pick a kachash soon
1: but on the flip side since we're shitting on mark turgeon in maryland i feel like that's a scenario where mark turgeon would say no we need to win the big 10 every single game matters and he potentially mishandles Anthony Cowan, or Anthony Cowan tries to do a little bit too much because he hasn't had that taste of winning a ben- Big Ten title like Cassius has. He right. hasn't been to a Final Four. So I can just see how that might wear out a Maryland team and Anthony Cowan team because if Maryland goes into Rutgers and Michigan State goes into Rutgers, again, this is all hypothetical. I don't know what their schedules are, but if they if those two teams go into Rutgers, I can guarantee you Terzian is going to be – fucking balls to the wall when it may not be necessary, right. especially with a, a good Maryland team. If, of course, Maryland plays like a top-10 team, which they're wrecked. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I can understand that uh, a little bit. Oh, you know what's really funny? They don't even play Rutgers. Oh, no, they do. That's their first game of the year. Their first game of the Big Ten season is December 8th. Against, Who, Michigan at, State? At, or, yeah, against Rutgers at home. Okay, poor example. Let me pick a better <laughs>
1: What do they play Penn State how about that
0: yeah there we go what do they play Penn Minnesota yeah hey you, don't, you know you're not to believe in patino uh, they, play <laughs> they play Minnesota they uh, play Minnesota at the barn on January 26th oh yeah that's gonna that's like that's like that's a, it's a pretty honestly. late
1: conference season
0: yeah Sunday evening they probably Minnesota will be trying to get over a Vikings loss in the playoffs I could <laughs> see how maybe they would show up a little bit more for that game and Michigan state maybe just lets one slip. So
1: there we go. Patino.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, so let's see. So you want my winner of the conference now? Yep. Turn your mic or turn your ears up. The Boilermakers do it again.
1: Wow. Wow. If true.
0: And there's, there's actually some method to this madness here. Okay. Okay. Let's start with the four teams, in my opinion, three other teams, excuse me, that have any shot at winning this conference. There's a lot of good teams in this conference, but I think only three of them really have an opportunity to win the conference outside of Purdue. One of them is Ohio State. They're probably the third best team in the conference, or fourth from a national perspective. I just don't think they have enough talent. And I think Holtman is one of the best team, best coaches in the country, but there's another classic example of basketball, football school situation.
1: I wouldn't and, put, I wouldn't put Ohio state in the Georgia and Penn state though. Ohio no, state has no, a little bit no, more. No, I see where I, you're coming from though.
0: They have, they have a really nice roster with the Wesson pros. They're sick. Uh, They're when they have Kyle young in the game, they have a three-man rotation uh, in the back or in the front court. That is great. That's the, their best lineup is from an efficiency standpoint is with the Wessons and Kyle Young in the game. But I, I just don't see everything I want from this Ohio State team to say they're going to win the conference. I think they're going to be like a three seed or four seed, they are going to be really, really good. But I just don't see the consistency that I get from that Painter Oltman's still an awesome coach, and I think they have a and the Western Bros are dope. And they have a really important transfer, uh, CJ Walker from Florida State as well, who should be a big, big time impact player. But let me move to Maryland. I'm Mark Turgeon is not winning this conference, so just throw that. Out the window. It's so think, funny.
1: Like I feel like we're both on the same page about Turgeon, and even Maryland being in the Big Ten. Just go back to the ACC, man. Then I may start picking you to win conference titles.
0: So, But I will say, Maryland is potentially going to be the second best team in this conference, and they have the talent, and they have the senior leadership in Anthony Cowan Jr. to really make a lot of noise in the conference and nationally. But let me tell you why Purdue is going to win this conference. Purdue has an awesome schedule.
1: Awesome as an easy.
0: They only play Michigan state, Ohio state and Maryland once each and that's that's it.
1: Yeah.
0: And so that alone with other things, if you take everything else being equal, that's a really fortunate schedule for them. And so you know, you have, they play Northwestern twice. They play Nebraska twice. They play Rutgers twice. They they play Minnesota twice. So they have, oh no, they only play Minnesota once, excuse me. But they play Iowa twice, my bad. But they, from a top-end team perspective, they only have to play the other, like, four best teams in the conference one time. And I think that, they're going to be good enough and consistent enough and old enough to not be sh- shook by these road games and even i mean they don't even they play they get Michigan State at home early in the year in January 12th Langford might not even be back by then and if he if he is that's going to be a classic game where they announce that Langford's coming back for it and they don't know how to work him into the offense yet and they lose on the road at at Purdue and west lafayette goes wild so i i think they're going to win the conference just because of that you know you have to look and see because if we look at the schedules here no team goes is going to go undefeated even though we kind of referenced that earlier so let's say uh michigan state loses two games this year right just just as an example if one of those games is to Purdue, they might lose the tiebreaker because I don't see a whole lot of losses on Purdue's schedule just simply because of the good fortune that their that their schedule is. So, that's why I'm going to pick Purdue as the regular season winner. I'm not saying they're the best team in the conference because as we often see, we just talked about in the Big 12, we don't often see or we often see that sometimes the best team isn't the team that actually wins the regular season. Working Langford back might take a game or three. And Purdue's schedule is really easy, or at least really easy from a top-end perspective. So that's why I'm picking my boys. It's West Lafayette, the Boilermakers, Drew Brees, stand-up, Purdue, so winner of the 2020 Big Ten regular season title.
1: If you have Maryland at two... Is it, no, I don't know. I mean, Did I hear that uh, correctly, or they have the potential to be the second best
0: Right, player? right, right. They have the potential. So Michigan State's finishing second.
1: So that's what I was going to ask. I was like, does well, that make Michigan what, State's
0: Well, remember what I just said? Tiebreak. I said that the best team in the conference isn't necessarily who's winning the conference. So Michigan State is the easily, far and away, the best team in this conference. But that doesn't mean that they're going to win the regular season title simply because how the schedule lines up and when Langford is going to come back and have to be worked in for a couple
1: games. I agree. You could say that till you're blue in the face, but if you tell someone Michigan State's going to be number three finishing in, right. in the conference. No, number right? two.
0: Number They're,
1: two. Number but two. even so, but 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 like, let's say if you did, it, because I'm sure there are some people who might think Michigan State finishes three, their heads would explode. Right. right? Despite right. the fact, you know, your reasoning is that the team that wins isn't necessarily the best team. If you, on paper, put down... Again, hi- hypothetical, which you're not doing. Michigan State at three, uh, that's pretty crazy, right? It, so if, it's it's if, it's crazy to say. Here, how about this? Let me let me let me phrase it like this: If you tell someone my Big Ten winner is not one of the two teams that are ranked in the top ten, people might call you crazy,
0: right? So, but my specific reasoning, more than anything else, is that if Michigan State had this same schedule then I'd say maybe they'd go undefeated. Right? It's it's it simply comes down to that whereas Purdue just had the really good fortune of not having to play the other the three best teams outside of them in the conference more than once. With with, with what did we figure that out? Was that one or two of them is at
1: home. I mean schedule matters. You're absolutely no, right.
0: Well, especially in the big in the Big 10 that has 47 schools now you're not, they don't have an equal schedule to like the big 12 has only 10 teams. They all play each other twice. It's a simple, easy way to figure it out. Right. So if you say the reason that this team is winning the big 12, it's because they're beating all of the same teams in the big 10. That's not, that's not how it works. So that is the specific reason more than anything else why I'm picking Purdue. And that's why I go back to painter being the most one of the, if not the most consistent coach outside of Izzo in the conference with one of the most consistent programs in the conference, that continuity is why these games, you know, uh, beating a lesser opponent, even if it's on the road, that's where you need an old team, a big team, a classic big 10 old sizable team playing on the road in mid February. That's a, I I'm going with Purdue simply because they have they're just going to be slightly better than all almost all the teams they play on the road and at home they're going to have just be enough better than everyone they play at home and if they sneak the the whole this whole thing will be determined if let's see on January 18th they play at Maryland on January 20th we'll do a podcast and I will <laughs> tell you cuz they play that they play Michigan State and Maryland back to back games January 12th and January 18th. On January 19th or 20th, we'll be able to pretty much determine whether this prediction was right or wrong. Yeah. If they if they lose those two games, Correct. then what then I'm an idiot. If they win those two games, then we're weirdly really out here though. So yeah, that we're that'll, be a, that'll be some put it on your calendar someone. Well, this, so that, that that week is going to be the, the 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 exact determining factor of whether they're going to win this conference or not.
1: I, I will say because Purdue does have a penchant for dropping big games, uh, that that very well may occur. But they also have a penchant for getting upset, and that's kind of been shed the past couple of years. But don't overlook the other. Games that they obviously have to play, but I I, I understand what sure, you're saying. Those are sure. the two biggest ones because, because of, look, they're going to need a tiebreaker. Right. They're going to need tiebreaker. But if they're not, if if they're not playing that well and then miraculously split those two, I'm still going to be like, well, I don't think is going to win the Big Ten because they got to basically what I'm saying is they got to take care of business outside of those two games as well.
0: Right. Well, so, they're just and they're fortunate because they start Big Ten season off with Northwestern and Nebraska. Yeah. And then Minnesota and Illinois. And then it's Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland. So that stretch is really they they should be a pretty I don't want to say pretty easy, but they should be four and zero heading into that Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland stretch. If they come out of that even six and one, they're going to be right there because then their tough games are done. Yeah, they play Ohio State one more time at Ohio State later on, and then and, you know that's the fourth best team in the conference, and then that's it. You know, so obviously. Yeah, just like any really, really good conference like this is. And this is the best conference in the country, in my opinion. There's going to be a slip-up along the way. But I think you can see that, you know, for any team, maybe less so for Michigan State, obviously. But I think just with the Langford factor, uh, that's about the time he's going to have to come back. And he might not even be back for that. It's on the road, at West Lafayette or in West Lafayette. So, yeah, that's my, I mean, that's my reasoning. I could sit here and say, yeah, Michigan State is going to win the conference because they're the best team in the conference. Right.
1: No, okay. I, I, I see what you you know. you're saying. Yeah, I see but, what I you're think, saying.
0: but I think that if you look at their schedules, you, you can kind of work in and see why Michigan State would have maybe one extra slip up than Purdue would be. And Perfect. this is, and this is why Painter's the coach of the year and why I picked him as a whole is they have the most Big Ten titles for a reason. They don't, have the, they, they don't have the most tournament success for the almost the same exact reason. Because they always have a really, really high floor, but they all don't necessarily have a really, really high ceiling. Michigan State teams have a high, high ceiling, ceiling. and a similar floor.
1: Yeah, I, can, I, I hear you. So, all right, you got Purdue regular season champ player of the year, Cassius Winston, coach of the year is Matt Painter. Yes, sir. All right, cool. So what I got now, I will kick it off with coach of the year in the Big Ten. So you went Painter. All right. There's so many coaches to think about in, in the Big Ten and so many cool coaches that actually have, have succeeded in the past. Obviously, you got Izzo. You got Chris Holtman at Ohio State. He's done well at Butler. Greg Gard, silent mm-hmm. assassin, mm-hmm. as John Rothstein would like to say. Greg Gard. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with Wisconsin. Newcomer. But is he really a newcomer? Jawan Howard. He's new to the coaching ranks, but obviously he's a legend at Michigan. Matt Painter, who you mentioned, and even Fran McCaffrey, who is good for maybe one or two insane blowups at a ref this year. So very much looking forward to him. If the coach of the year was based on crazy blowups, Fran McCaffrey would win it every single year running. None of those guys that I mentioned are going to win coach of the year, Taylor. Wow. Wow, And it's not going to be Mark Turgeon because we've already spent a few cumulative minutes shitting on him.
0: This is one hell of a pick here.
1: You know what? I'll pause there. Who am I picking?
0: Are you picking the former mayor of Ames, Iowa?
1: No. No, I'm not. Oh, God damn it. I'm going with Brad Underwood.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay.
1: At Illinois. Brad Underwood has done a tremendous job of – I don't want to say resurrecting the program just yet because I think they only had 12 wins last year, but at least instilling some hope back into Champagne. That program was lost when, when he took it over, and he's done a good job of slowly but surely building, and he did that f- through recruiting this past year with Kofi Cockburn, uh, who was a top, top 50 player ranked and potentially top 15 name as well. Best,
0: I was going to say, bet, big name. Big name of the conference.
1: Yes. Huge name. So a little bit of background on Brad Underwood. He was the head coach at Stephen F. Austin when they made a relatively deep run with Thomas Walkup, who, you know, if you know Stephen F. Austin, they're called the Lumberjacks. Brad Thomas Walkup looks exactly like a Lumberjack. So I fell in love with them. And Brad Underwood then catapulted his career to Oklahoma State. Some would say he did them dirty and then went to Illinois. So it's been a couple of years now at Illinois where people are saying, okay, Brad has slowly but surely given us a little bit more hope. And I think this year is where it comes to its apex. So they returned four starters from last year that carried momentum into this offseason. They were terrible in the first half of the year. But the second half of the year, they racked up some good wins. And so they return four starters, and I think that is huge for a young team trying to develop and create a culture. You look at a team like Texas Tech. I'm not saying Brad Underwood's going to go to the national championship game. I'm not saying Brad Underwood is going to go to an elite eight. I'm not saying he's going to win two coaches, two straight coaches of the year like uh, like our boy. Why am I blank? Chris Beard. Brad Underwood, though, is building a culture, and that only happens with guys that are returning that know what it takes in the previous year that have been through the shitty parts. (laughs) I think that's what you got with Texas tech and a guy like Davide Moretti. He's, he's been through the shitty parts. So they return four starters and their style of play, I think is going to be a huge reason why they're going to win a lot more games than they did last year. And ultimately why Underwood's going to win coach of the year. They wreak havoc. It actually kind of reminds me of Shaka smarts VCU teams. They create a ton of turnovers with their high pressure style and so I think that's going to be a nice change of pace in the Big Ten because the Big Ten, you think of slow, grinded-out defense, not necessarily pressing, jumping the lanes, turning a man over in their own in their own half of the court. I think Brad uh, is, has instilled that in Illinois, and that's going to lead to some wins. And so here are the his guys. I think much like players need their coaches, the the, the opposite is true. In order to win Coach of the Year, Brad Underwood needs some dudes. First and foremost, it starts with Ayo Desunmi. Another all-time name. Ayo Desunmi. I mean, he could be Big Ten first team type talent and also is an NBA prospect. Something that Illinois hasn't had in, I don't know, Myers Leonard, I think. They haven't oh. had an NBA. Pre- yeah, they haven't had an NBA prospect not, in a while. Not
0: exactly the first name that comes to mind when you think of Illinois basketball, but yes, yes.
1: I'm just trying to think of the last NBA prospect that they've had.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're so keep going. Uh, let me actually, I'm going to interrupt you. This, you're. I hope you're talking about one of the other best names on this team.
1: I'll get up. to him. I'll get okay, to him. Please soon. Uh, so they're back. Well, actually, maybe not because I've already mentioned Kofi Cockburn, but. Table that for a second. They also have a backcourt that returns with Trent Frazier and Andres Feliz. You know how much I love guard play, baby. You know how much I love backcourt play. Yes. If you have – it's very rare to have both players from a backcourt return and that can actually contribute. Typically, it's one or the other that leaves. Or unfortunately for you, sometimes it's it's two players that leave – but when you get both players from your back court returning uh, alongside a Big Ten first-team player in AO, that's very positive. And then I mentioned Kofi Cockburn. Again, top 50 recruit. He, people are a buzz about him, and he's going to be able to help with their defense, which was quite literally an atrocity last year. But Cockburn's going to be able to help with their interior defense. And then to put a little bow on it, this is going to be tough, but Georgie... <clears throat> Benishvili. I just ran through that
0: sure let's go with that That's close enough for me Benishvili
1: actually he was probably their best player last year. He held his own against the likes of Ethan Happ in Wisconsin and also the likes of Kenny Goins against Michigan State and so he's their big Georgian center he is uh, he was a freshman last year and he was their best big as a freshman now he's going to have Cockburn alongside him. This is all huge for brad underwood and so the reason i'm choosing him is the personnel is it's not necessarily a bunch of experienced senior senior guys but they've known brad the entire time they understand that they're building a culture and i think brad is if he can do enough to get them on the bubble he's going to win coach of the year if he can if he can do enough maybe make some noise towards the end of the season maybe finish within the top five of, of those big 10 standings. I give it to Brad Underwood and the Illini that are just thirsting for anything. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they have crazy expectations, but I think a lot of people are still sleeping on them and I'm waiting for a jump year players. You always look in the NBA. You always look for year two to three or maybe one to two, a significant jump. I think Illinois is waiting for that with Brad Underwood.
0: I think that is a great take. Uh, I think well, we didn't mention it much, but I think Trent Frazier is kind of the straw that stirs that drink of that team. And if you look at it, why someone like Kofi Cockburn is so necessary, there's no one in their starting lineup that's going to be above 6'8 or 6'9. They have to wreak havoc, they have to be quick. But AO and Trent Frazier and even Tevian Jones, in a way, are quick. Their returning backcourt is speedy and they're athletic. And they uh, are both great on the offensive end. But like you said, their defensive area is going to be – They were terrible it's last year. It's what's going to cause their either demise or their, their uh, improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why someone like Kofi Cockburn is such an important person uh, to them. And it's, it's going to be tough also to rely on a freshman who is not an all-world recruit. He's a really good recruit. And so they're going to go as far, I guess, as Kofi, Kofi Cochran can kind of help with their defense. That being said, I think this is easily, I'm going to say easily a tournament team. I, I'm, I'm even higher than saying they're going to be on the bubble. I mean, they even received votes in the AP Top 25 poll and coming into this year. And so I think that their offensive end, even if they just have a little improvement on defense, they're going to have four maybe five guys on the team that can average double-digit scoring this year.
1: But so it all comes down to showing it on the court. And I think last year there there weren't as high as expectations as there are this year. They obviously didn't get a a Cockburn playing for them like they do this year. But I think they were a little underwhelming last year with only 12 wins because they stumbled out of the gate. I I don't think – even if they were minuscule expectations – Look, Illinois is not getting Duke, Carolina, Michigan State, Kentucky type expectations. No, they had some expectations last year and they were terrible first half of the year. That's but but then they kind of figured it out. And so I'm expecting them to be a lot more prepped entering this year and and hitting the ground running because the only way that a a team like this is going to gain confidence is if they rack up wins early in the year. And if they don't do that, then I could very well see this season going sideways and sure. long-term seeing Brad Underwood's tenure kind of going sideways. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Underwood's an awesome coach. And I, I think he's one of the more under the radar type coaches. And I feel like everyone right now is looking for that next Chris Beard, right? Who can right. take a meddling program in a difficult conference to the promised land, and I, I think the first step for Illinois is is getting that tournament bid. And I think if if they do that, if they can get a, I don't think I'm as high as you on on Illinois, but if they get a tournament bid, Brad Underwood absolutely deserves Coach of the Year in no, my I, opinion.
0: I I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But it's almost the same situation in me saying I think Painter's going to win it because he's going to win the conference. You're saying that, yeah, okay. So if this Illinois team exceeds expectations, then yeah, then he, Underwood should win it. So kind of similar, similar thoughts. But yeah, I, I have them at easily within my my teams who are going to make the tournament from this conference. I don't even think that it's uh, a, a bubble situation. I've got a lot of other teams on the bubble from this conference, and Illinois I think is going to be better than. Uh, a, a, several of those teams at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I actually think you had mentioned Trent Frazier, obviously a huge component to what they're going to do this year. But A.O., in my opinion, is going to be the the most important player. Either him or uh, Benishvili are going to be their, their two big guys that are going to have to push them forward.
0: So let's not forget about the name that I was referencing, and that's Kipper Nichols as well. So I would have hated to get through a segment about Illinois without mentioning my man Kipper.
1: So do your thing, Brad Underwood. Go prove me right because this is one of the one of those limbs that I'm going out on. Right. If Brad Underwood ends up being coach of the year, I'm probably going to be playing this clip and be very obnoxious about it moving forward. (laughs) Let's move on to player of the year. We're both in agreement. No surprise here. I'm going Cassius Winston. This is kind of this is probably the one award. Not just player of the year. I'm talking Big Ten player of the year. That's already solidified. It's wrapped up. It's under the tree. It just needs to be delivered, and it's going to go to Cassius Winston because for everything that you mentioned, he's a Naismith Player of the Year candidate. He is easily the best point guard, which is the most important position in college hoops. He is playing for a winning team, a team that has national title aspirations. He's playing in the spotlight. Even his past accomplishments are going to help him. He's a guy that's obviously done it the right way. He's a four-year senior. Cassius Winston, this is... Just give it to him at this point, and everyone else is playing for second place. I I suppose should have been we should have wondered who's going to be the runner up. But last year, if we want to talk stats, he averaged nineteen and eight. I don't like what more do you want from a college junior point guard? And he's just going to have more help this year. Uh, The only slight, I should say, two slight concerns of mine, and I had mentioned this a little earlier. But one, I don't want him looking forward to the tournament too much in the sense that he just doesn't give a shit about the regular season, because if that happens, then he's not going to win player of the year could potentially develop bad habits. And then you got a Michigan state versus middle Tennessee state uh, on your hands. And I mean, that is everyone in East Lansing's biggest nightmare. So that's one, but number two, he had a slight turnover problem. And again, this is me nitpicking again, the best college point guard right now in the game. He's got a slight turnover problem that I think he needs to cut down on. And it, it's not necessarily for the regular season, because if he turns the ball over, let's say, five times, they're probably still going to win. If he does that in the final four, they're not. Right. Point blank period. So those are the only things that I would say, but there's not much to unpack here. Cassius Winston will be your Big Ten Player of the Year. And then regular season champs. So you went Purdue. I went Michigan State. They, are, I, I'm so incredibly high on Michigan State. This should come as no surprise to you, right?
0: Right. Well, I and mean, it's not even it's not even a bad take. Like, yeah, um, I mean, about me though. Right. About right. me oh, personally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course.
1: If you know me, you know I love Tom Izzo. I probably I've taken Michigan State to win this conference the past three years running. But I truly think that they are the best team in the country as it stands today, and that's without Josh Langford. And so they are probably going to have some battles. In the, the first half of the year. And I think it's going to be close in the first half of the year. But then once they get Langford back, knock on wood, and everything is okay with him, he's going to complement uh, Cash's very well. But let's not forget that they're bringing back Aaron Henry. They're bringing back Kyle Ahrens. And then another all name team, Rocket Watts.
0: That's my guy. Yeah.
1: Pew. Rocket <laughs> Watts, baby. So <laughs> th- I mean, th- those are studs right there. Those are college basketball studs. You're not going to see these names in the lottery next year. No. But if you want to build a perfect college basketball team, Michigan State just might have it. And then of course you have Tom Izzo. So, they went to the Final 4 last year without Langford. They return a lot of their players. I don't think Joey Hauser is going to be able to play. He was denied. They've Michigan State has tried for a third time to get him uh eligible because they're probably seeing all these arbitrary decisions like well fuck it let's try one more time but outside of that they just have they're stacked they're stacked yeah. and, no, and I mean, they're loaded at the best best uh place uh, p- b- best position excuse me in the i guess country.
0: i guess you could say that maybe they're not that big
1: they, no, who I... they lose they lose derrick Nix and kenny goins not Nick Derek War- Nix, uh, Nick, Nick Ward. Ward. Nick, Nick
0: Ward. Ward, yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're they're really not going to be starting a true center. Not that you need a true center in any le- level of basketball nowadays, but you know, Xavier Tillman is probably going to be their tallest player that's in the rotation, and he's six eight. So maybe you could see a team like Purdue that's a big team, uh, maybe out out rebound them one day and get a W, or maybe a team in the tournament. But once it gets to the tournament, I'm not so concerned about not being that big. It's just that kind of day-to-day grind of needing to be – sometimes you just need to be bigger. It's the middle of February. You're – whatever, it's cold. You're on your third game in in nine days. And sometimes you just need to be bigger to just outlast the team to to win another game. In the tournament, it's guards. It's just guards. There's no other way to put it. And 100%. And they've got an abundance of them who are good.
1: Yeah. And so you talked about schedule, which is huge for in predicting who's going to win a conference tournament or excuse me, a a conference regular season championship. I don't think that they'll lose to a Maryland. I don't think that they will lose to, let's say, an Ohio State. I don't think that's going to happen. Actually, they they started a losing streak for Ohio State last year. I believe that's true. So. They're, I think they're going to have two losses in the in the Big Ten. That actually might be a little bit much too. I think yeah. they're going to have one loss in the Big Ten. They'll okay. have one loss in the Big Ten, and it's going to come to a team that's not, that's not ranked. Okay. They're going to they're gonna get upset, and that actually may be where your pre-boilermakers come in. But Michigan State will take care of business, I think, wire to wire um, for the most part. I think they're gonna trip up once in, in conference play. They're not gonna they might drop the first game of the season like they always do. But entering entering March, entering the NCAA tournament, they are going to be a one seed. And it's yeah. just a matter of if are they gonna be an overall number one or are they gonna be like the second number one? I think they are that good. And I I, I do think that the disparity between them and the next team, Kansas, is somewhat noticeable i am all in on michigan state this year no,
0: i mean like i said the best team in this conference is michigan state and that goes almost without saying i just think that sometimes we get we get a team that maybe just drops the tiebreaker and that's why they lose the regular season that doesn't necessarily mean that doesn't even necessarily mean purdue's a top four seed even because they might purdue will probably drop a game or two in the non-con you know so i I, a hundred percent, I mean, there's no argument to say, yeah, it's not gonna be Michigan state. It's pretty, pretty cut and dry unless you want to maybe be a contrarian. Like I might be sometimes. So
1: it's, it's good for conversation. So, all right. Regular season champ. I got Michigan state. You have Purdue player of the year. We both have Cassius and coach of the year. I have Brad Underwood. You have the paint man, not painter.
0: So, you know, it's, I, Really, outside of Cassius Winston and Michigan State, we really haven't talked a lot about what is probably the biggest story in this conference coming into this year, and that's Jawan Howard now being right. the coach of Michigan. Right. So I see Michigan as a as a tournament team this year, but I'm not as high on Michigan as many others are. They received a vote in the AP Top Twenty Five poll, but I don't, you know, especially since uh, Franz Ferdinand Wagner got hurt. Uh, I just don't see them as an overwhelmingly obvious tournament team it, although it seems like a lot of people do think and they are simply because of last year they were you know a great team under b-line i'm i'm maybe not as high on michigan as a lot of other people in the country do you have any overwhelming thoughts on michigan
1: can i be honest with you i didn't know that there were that many people quote-unquote high on michigan i'm not i actually don't think no i not the tournament.
0: i i have i'm like fringe tournament team
1: that that friend them. That Franz Wagner injury was a huge blow to them. He's yeah. their best player, right? Probably right. And so I think there's going to be some growing pains with not only Jawan yeah. Howard as a coach, but also the transition of a of one of their best, probably their best coach in in school history. No,
0: right? I think I think Xavier Simpson is their best player, but uh, that's right. Sure, whatever so
1: that goddamn I, I, hook shot i hate that hook shot so much
0: i'm just not as high on them as other people are and it's almost just because just of the transitional nature of having a long time stud head coach leave and then trying to get your players in there as draw howard and joan howard is completely just going to be finding his way and how to cut co- you know be the head coach of a major basketball program so i only have them as a. I, I have nine teams from this conference making the tournament, which is going to be easily the most well, the last
1: year. Holy shit.
0: Yeah. But I just, I mean, I, I just see, you know, if you look at the other previews we did, I have one less uh, person from the big 12. than than I think other predictions have making the tournament. I also have one less from the ACC uh, as most people would predict to make the tournament. So that those extra teams have to come from somewhere. And I think that's here. And you told me that you don't like this team. But I think Minnesota is the sleeper team in this conference to make the tournament. To make the tournament, not to do anything, but to no. Make but still,
1: the I think they're going to finish dead last in the conference.
0: I think North Northwestern is going to finish dead last. Okay,
1: maybe North. Okay, and, uh, and
0: Rutgers and Rutgers, right?
1: <laughs> Nor- dude. I think Minnesota is terrible.
0: I mean, is Rutgers better than even Nebraska? I don't know. That's the problem. You got you got a team like Penn State, right? Penn State is maybe the third worst team in the conference, but they might have a guy who's legitimate, like all first team type of guy. So he might even be be able to lead a team to enough non-con wins. This is going to be a classic conference that has like a seven and nine team or whatever, eight and 10 team, maybe two of them that make the tournament. Good enough resume. Right. And so that's what Mm. I'm getting at here is it's kind of like the same exact scenario that happened with, uh, the ACC when they got 43 teams in a couple of years ago, all these teams are good enough to win the vast majority of their non-conference games, at least outside of like Northwestern and Rutgers, in my opinion. So, and maybe Nebraska, shit Nebraska is not the least talented team around. And you know, they got, Brett Fred who yeah. you know, some shit. So yeah, I think this team, I mean, when I looked at the big 12 and the ACC, I was trying trying to find reasons to get more than the the average predicted amount of teams into into the tournament. This, with the Big Ten, I was trying to find reasons to keep teams out, and I was finding a tougher time finding reasons to keep some of these teams out of the tournament than it was for me to try to find more ACC or more, more Big 12 teams to get into the tournament.
1: I think, generally speaking, that's a good take on those conferences. I just think Minnesota is, is, is not good. I don't think Richard Pitino is a good coach with the exception of that one year where they were kind of a supernova. And I think he he ended up as a five seed. Uh, I, I just think that they've lost a decent amount of their players. I don't think he's built the program to the standards that, that I mean, Minnesota is just looking for tournament berths. You don't have to do anything in wow. those tournaments, but I, when was the last time that, that Minnesota was there? I just, and I, I don't think, I think the Big Ten is so fucking competitive this year. You can make the case that it is the best conference top to bottom as exhibited by your nine pick team, which right. obviously includes Minnesota, but I just I I don't think that they're going to be able to survive this war of attrition, and I think sure. at some point they're just going to kind of bottom out. That's that's where and and you're right. Then Rutgers and Northwestern could very well be interchangeable. Sure, I but mean I'm, that's the bottom of the barrel, in my opinion.
0: I'm thinking Minnesota is going to be better than that. I I I, I that's my, not so bold prediction that they finish like 19 and 14 and 8 and 10 in conference and somehow eke into the
1: tournament. So, okay, so week week of the 20th then, we have to talk about Purdue and we have to see where we're at on Minnesota. So we're right in
0: Minnesota. Deal? So, that's fine with me. That's fine with me. I'll take a, If a, if Purdue wins, I'm I'm going to tell you that this I mean, this is just a minor prediction compared to the Purdue winning the actual conference. Because I'm saying that, like maybe they're a fringe tournament team. But I'm also saying that because I, the reason that th- there needs to be another team in here is because I don't am not high on Michigan. Those two things almost go hand in hand. But I'll say I this:
1: I, I, I'm I'm. I'm more confident in Matt Painter and Purdue winning the conference than I am Minnesota going to the tournament. Oh,
0: no, me too. Like ten to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is just this is more of the like if I had to pick a team that I think is gonna be that spot because Michigan might not make the tournament, because I don't think they're that good, I think they will. But I think we're just gonna get that national narrative from the guys at ESPN and CBS and everything that this is the best conference. This is the best conference. They need the bet they need the most teams. They need the most teams. Oh, this whatever. And I think that's going to eke into them getting more tournament uh, selections you know you got we talked about the silent assassin greg guard and the school i hate almost as many other any other team in the country wisconsin we've heard from several wisconsin people that we know that greg guard was actually the coach of those bo ryan teams or at least he was more of the the guy that made those teams go i think he has a good year this year and not like top three in the conference but they are just going to be a continually consistent program. And I mean, th- think about this roster real quick of teams who are still, or players who are still on Wisconsin. Uh, you've got Pritzel, still there. Davison, Brad Davison, still there.
1: They all Trice. look like the villains in like ski movies.
0: Right, yeah. Trice, still there. All these guys are still there. Ethan has
1: gone, though. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah, right. But what I'm saying is it's kind of the same way. They're almost going to be like, in my opinion, the uh, the, the uh, Purdue light this year in the conference, where it's a lot of continuity. you got a good coach with a lot of continual uh, players that are there that aren't stars. They don't have a high-end talent this year on that roster. And so Wisconsin is still going to be there. I think they're going to be more like the 6th, 7th team in the conference type of deal. Because I am high on the line, I like you are, um and then I think they're gonna finish better in the conference in Michigan, actually. Uh, I think Iowa is gonna be there too, and they're just gonna be the same like efficient Iowa team, yeah, with a bunch of white farm dudes like they always are
1: we're not and we're not expecting much from Iowa,
0: no, but I do think they're gonna be the
1: not more than than what we typically expect from Iowa basketball,
0: right. Right. right, they're gonna. Have, they got a Wise Camp there. They always have like a Wise Camp style name on that team. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I think Iowa's gonna make the tournament. But I do think I, I even if it's not Minnesota, I think one of the Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, one of those teams is gonna be better. Obviously, just at, almost just by mathematics alone. If if we're not high on Michigan, one of those other lower tier teams has to then win some of those games. And so I it might be Penn State because of uh, of Lavar Lamar Stevens. It might be Nebraska because of Fred Hoyberg. I I don't know. But I I'm gonna pick Minnesota out of that group, even though you think you're really, really lower than that group. Yeah. But if we don't but if we don't think Michigan's as good, one of those other teams has to sure Pick up the slack a little bit so sure
1: and I, I mean i may not be as high on the conference as as you though that's the thing like i don't know if i'm if i'm 100 going with nine eight teams so i i think it's it's the big 10 is easily the most intriguing in my eyes out of the conferences I, that we've previewed agreed and we got the big east and the pac-12 next but the big 10 the names the recruits the players right i mean you you go from Tom Izzo to what's Brad Underwood going to be doing to what's Juwan Howard going to be doing to some of the players that we've been talking about as well. There's just there's a lot going on, uh, and I'm excited to see this conference how it plays out. And you know what's funny? We mentioned them a little bit, very very small amount, but Ohio State is lurking in the weeds, man. They
0: really are. Yeah, no, we're if you can lurk in the weeds at
1: eighteen, yeah, if you can with a great coach and Chris Holtman and studs. Wesson, I mean, all Caleb Wesson has to do is just stop fouling out. The guy fouls out like with two minutes left in the first half somehow. But Wesson, uh, and then also Luther Muhammad, his name has not come up. Luther Muhammad, outside of Cassius Winston, if we're talking about who's going to get second uh, for second place, Big Ten Player sure. of the Year, I could see Luther Muhammad getting that. And they also have a guy that we've seen play, who transferred into Ohio State, Justice Suing. Mm. Justice Suing came over from Cal. Now, being the best player on Cal is like, I don't know the exact analogy. What is it? Uh, the tallest dwarf amongst midgets? Some <laughs> shit like that. I don't know. That's basically what it is because Cal basketball is horrendous. But uh, Justice Suing transferred in, uh, and so I, we're not. Don't don't be surprised about what Ohio State does. Is uh, all I'm saying.
0: You know, it is an interesting. Tidbit here with the Big Ten, the same as the Big 12. No five-star recruits in this conference either, according to too far So you've got, think of all the big schools in the Big Ten and the Big 12. And no five-star recruits between, what is that, 22 schools that are decently major, that take up the whole, entire middle of the country. So pretty crazy to think where all this new talent is being funneled. But it is classic Big 10 basketball to just have a bunch of senior and junior studs all around the conference. And that really is what we see here. And it's really why Michigan state is the best team in the conference and why I think Purdue is going to be uh, the conference winner and why Ohio state is just sitting there work lurking and why Maryland is uh, ranked as highly as they are. is They're all led by like junior and seniors. And that's outside of, Of anything else or any other conference, I can count on the Big Ten to have old stud basketball players.
1: Players that you want to you want to go where everyone knows your name, right? That's what Cheers says. If you want (laughs) to do that, if you want to go to a conference where you know everyone else's name, go to the Big Ten because we've seen these guys basically grow up in front of our eyes every single year. One hundred percent. So let's go ahead and get into our starting five of favorite players from the Big Ten. But before we do that. A quick message from the barn burner podcast Network all right big ten starting five Taylor kick us off
0: so uh, d- is my picks are almost in line with what I just said is that you get a lot of of older players in this conference and so it's interesting you look at like the best players to ever play in this conference and you know rarely do you find a one and done or two and done type of guy as as a part of that even so Interestingly enough, I actually have one on the list, but it's always a bunch of old dudes who are just out here playing old man basketball in the snow, and I, I and that's that's part of the charm of the Big Ten. Uh, so one of those guys that didn't stay all four years that I'm going to pick here is someone that we previously referenced, and that is Biggie Caleb Swanigan. I just loved Caleb Swanigan in college. I loved. Uh, his story. I really loved that Purdue team. This is. I'm the biggest Purdue fan in the whole country. Yeah, apparently, apparently right so. Now. Jeez. Uh, I loved Biggie. I loved him coming into college as a recruit. I loved that uh, he. What, the, what did they go to the Elite? Eight? Did they go to the Elite Eight that year? I don't think so. I think they got the Sweet Sixteen that year. I think. I, I think
1: last year was the furthest they've been. Yeah. In, yeah. Like, you're I don't right. know how long. You're right.
0: I was a big. I was a big Biggie fan. So we're gonna start with my boy Caleb Swanigan. There at Purdue. I know you love Caleb Swannigan as well.
1: Love Caleb Swannigan. I'm glad you referenced his story. His story truly is incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's a, and I'm, I, I, what, did we figure out where he was in the NBA? I can't remember where he's in the NBA. I think not. he's in the G league. G league I checked. Yeah. He was
1: on the blazers, but Swanigan was, was awesome. He, he had that old school style of play down low. He would body some of the big 10. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, he would, he, he had those black shoes on with the white high socks. I, <laughs> Loved it. Loved Caleb Swanigan.
0: So, secondarily, I don't really care about this guy other than one particular moment that he had in college. And that's Christian Watford with Indiana. Wow. Who provided one of my very favorite moments of a team that outside of one that I really care for. I don't even really like Indiana. Honestly. we've referenced
1: that moment of numerous yeah, just, times on this program it a
0: couple episodes ago. Yeah, Christian Wofford hit the game winning three against Kentucky, uh, to kind of like push Indiana back into the national spotlight. One of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in college basketball was Christian Wofford's big three, uh, against Kentucky. Wasn't he? I, you know, what was Zeller on that team? Right. No, he wasn't.
1: Uh, be- uh, actually, no, he was. He was. Yeah, right. He was okay. on that team. I think he was on the floor going to celebrate with them.
0: And then was Yogi Ferrell on that team too? Is that his friend? Mm, I and think Farrell Ferrell was came after pre, that. Pre Yogi, pre Yogi. Yeah, I think so Depot
1: might have been on that team.
0: Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. It would be Are right. That, that no,
1: time. no, that actually might have been a year later. I'll, let me check that.
0: Yeah. Why don't you look that up while I talk about my third guy on this list? My third guy on this list is one of the most athletic basketball players I've ever seen play in this great sport. And that is Shannon Brown at Michigan state, just an absolute freak athlete. And of any school on this list, I could have probably picked the most players from Michigan state. I like you always enjoy Michigan state. There's never been a Michigan state team that I didn't enjoy. I even went so far back to maybe pick like a, like a Zach Randolph or a team Cleves, one of those guys. But I went with Shannon Brown just because he's an absolute jump-out-of-the-gym athletic freak. And in college, great headband game. And as we've listened before, I really care about a strong headband game in college. So going with Shannon Brown uh, as an athletic freak on that Michigan State team.
1: Cody Zeller was on that team, by the way. Perfect. Farrell was not.
0: Okay, got you, got you. So here, this is where we got, let's get a little interesting, Sue. Let's dive deep into the annals of recent Big Ten history. Do you have anyone from Nebraska on your list? Absolutely not, no. So, which means that you've overlooked 2014 Big Ten leading scorer, Taron Petaway from Nebraska.
1: I remember Pedway.
0: Great hair. And that Nebraska team with Tim Miles as the coach almost looked like they were building something there.
1: Man, uh, <laughs> Tim Miles owes like the last three years of his coaching tenure to fucking Petaway.
0: He does. And that's why he was a an All-Big Ten first-teamer. I don't even know what he's doing now. He's playing for nobody pretty much. But for some reason... I think you just latch on to people and I, I, I whatever, Nebraska got a big win that year and I just latched on to Terran Petaway. S- score, score of the basketball, Terran Petaway. And definitely a team that I took way too far in the tournament that year, only to be They lost in the first round, didn't they? Yes, exactly. Nebraska Cause, ball. Because I was like, oh man, this this might be a little sneaky something here. I think I, I did the same thing. Because I loved Petaway, great hair. Uh, also, again, strong headband game as well and then last but certainly not least was a guy who played college basketball for at least as long as I was in college if not longer and that is one of the most underrated players in this uh, school's history and that's David Lighty. okay guy was at Ohio State for ever
1: yeah, ever he was,
0: and really, I think I
1: think like he played with Greg Oden and D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels like he he gap like that gap between fucking Greg Oden and D'Angelo Russell was occupied by David Lighty.
0: And you know that pretty much, uh, I think he actually just missed him, but only by like a year, pretty much. So I'm going with David Lighty, who was never like awesome. He was just kind of like the quintessential like old college basketball player that you want on every team that should or should not be good, especially when you have freshmen rolling in or out. So I'm going to go with David Lighty. So we got Caleb Swanigan, Christian Watford, Shannon Brown, Taryn petaway David Lighty. And I will say in terms of skill level, this team is losing to all of my other, <laughs> uh, all of my other all starting five teams from from the other conferences we've done this team is not only losing they're getting their asses kicked well, by the other team we coaches. say
1: that because the big 10 just it doesn't seem to produce a high-flying crazy athletic cool like god i mean cool i should i I'll, let me let me take that back there are some cool dudes in the big 10 but shannon brown is definitely your coolest
0: oh yeah 100 percent.
1: What, what singer Brian. was he dating
0: I, oh god, I don't know shan uh
1: it was someone right, while it. you look that up while you look that up, I'll go into my starting five and I'll start actually, if we're talking about cool mellow, Trimble at Maryland,
0: mm. light
1: skin. <laughs> that is what I have in my notes. That is pretty much <laughs> the only reason why I have mellow Trimble in here. Look, he was a pretty good player at Maryland. He, I actually think he got worse and worse as his career went on at Maryland and he didn't really get it, make it in the NBA whatsoever. But in a conference known for its grittiness, known for its pasty white skin, known for its disgusting weather outside, Bellow Trimble was the complete antithesis of that. Yes, he was pretty, light skinned, smooth, <laughs> and like just he was like the Nick Johnson. if, yeah. if you know, like, he was the Nick Johnson of the Big Ten, and of course what I'm hoping isn't going to happen to Anthony Cowan uh, did happen to mellow Trimble. I think he was held back by Mark Turgeon, but mellow Trimble strictly honestly. And I'm very, very comfortable saying this Mellow Trimble's on my team for the looks.
0: Yeah. Well, Shannon Brown kind of too. He's kind of like off, off brand Chris Brown. Uh, Shannon Brown uh, was married to Monica Monica for a number of years. And actually they recently just got divorced because, Uh, Shannon Brown knocked up his side chick, which is an absolute rookie move of any NBA player. So, yeah, yeah. you know,
1: Um, you knew those fuckboy tendencies were happening in college, though, too. Yeah,
0: you know, it do it do be like that sometimes, as Mm -hmm. you know. All right.
1: So, I got Melo Trimble. Uh, I'm going to now go with Jared Sullinger. Mm. Earlier in the program, you were repping the tall, skinny white guys with Jared Utoff. I had to give some love to the guys with the huge ass. <laughs> and that's Jared Sollinger, man. There is... I mean, it was, it was mind-blowing to me how this guy was a D1 athlete and then picked in the first round of the NBA draft. In- incredible. But he was a fantastic rebounder. I didn't know how he had the stamina to get up and down the court. But Jared Sollinger, for being such a wide, nougat-filled body, was... <laughs> A ball player, man. New Get Field. Nougat field, yes.
0: <laughs> kind of like Dewan Blair, really, you know.
1: Oh, he was bigger than Dewan Blair. Man. But I mean he not not that the,
0: yeah, but just you know, that same kind of like a big man that is so college. Somehow made both of them made it in the NBA for a little bit, but yeah, I just thick.
1: As molasses, dude. Like you couldn't in
0: in January. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. You couldn't slide a credit card under his feet when he jumped, but he (laughs) somehow led the league in rebounds or whatever. But Jared Sullinger, I gotta show love for the big guys. I mirrored mirrored my game after him. Maybe it was around the same time because I think he's two years younger than me. But (laughs) the, the little back down right the the small little the little shot no
0: no, that that's the funniest thing i've ever heard on this podcast is you mirrored your guy your game after a guy two years younger than you
1: yeah i mean we were in this we were in college at the same time maybe i was (laughs) i was going to the pickup courts trying to be jared sullinger like i said man jared sullinger a first round first round pick at number 21 overall of course the Celtics took him like idiots, stuff. So.
0: I've always I've always mirrored my game from uh, Zion Williamson. I know he's 10 years younger than me, but you
1: know. <laughs> Uh all right, so my next guy, this is my boy. This might be recency bias, but I'm going Ryan Klein. Mm-hmm. Ryan Klein an absolute sharpshooter and is number public uh, enemy number 1 maybe behind Jeremy Pruitt in Knoxville. Uh he's number 2 because he completely killed Tennessee in that sweet 16 game. He was white hot. Ryan Klein, one of my favorite shooters. And I swear Purdue always seems to get these type of shooters. It's Klein. It's Dakota Mathias. Uh, it's Robbie Hummel. Maybe even if you want to go back further, who was able to do more than just shoot, but Ryan Klein, uh, for his shooting ability for his epic tournament performance last year, but also there's this picture. It's like, it's, it's Purdue, uh, gathered around like in in their huddle and they're putting their arms up to to break for the end of practice and it's an aerial photo and everyone's focused in on the middle i think painter's talking except for ryan klein ryan klein's looking up at this little bird in the sky flashes the most shit-eating grin you'll ever see and from and this was about three years ago when he was a nobody and i was like who is this guy i (laughs) i'm intrigued by this guy Three years later, he's a legend in West Lafayette. So Ryan Klein. Uh, Next guy, I'm going to go with another small white shooter. And he was actually a teammate of your boy, Christian Wofford. That's Jordan Hulls. Wow. Yes. So Jordan Hulls, another three-point specialist, but he was like a little bowling ball, dude. He was maybe six feet yoked, though. And all he did was shoot. He reminded me a ton of Lee Humphrey at Mm -hmm. Florida, and the reason I say that is because small white can shoot, but also was overshadowed by two other uh, lottery picks, essentially. And that was so for Florida, it was Joakim Noah and Al Horford, and obviously there was there was Corey Brewer. You can throw him in the yeah, mix. Yeah, sure, sure. That was Lee Humphrey's comparison, but Jordan Hulls had Victor Oladipo and uh, Cody Zeller. Now, Victor Oladipo very well deserves to go, I think, number two overall leave it to Michael Jordan to take Cody Zeller, who he was like ob- obsessed with, but that's neither here nor there. Jordan Hells reminded me a lot of, of Lee Humphrey uh, with the talent that surrounded him. And it's, it, it's weird because the sport is better when Indiana is good. And in the past decade or so, they've had one or two actually good teams and he was on one of them. So love to Jordan Hulls. And then finally, I'm going to round it out with one of my all-time favorite college basketball players, Delvon Rowe from Michigan wow. State.
0: Oh, that's a that's the winner of this list is 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 that. I don't know. Than?
1: I love Shannon. I think it's just Michigan State guys. Shannon Brown, Delvon yeah, Rowe. I,
0: I, I could have made this entire list from Michigan State guys.
1: For sure. Delvon Rowe, though, is such an easy guy to root for, man. He was the only freshman to start in that national title game against Carolina. Can you imagine being, first of all, on that Michigan State team going up against Hansborough and, like, Raymond Felton. Was Felton on that team or was that before?
0: Or was that Ty Lawson on that That was one? Ty Lawson.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Ty Lawson just – looking across and seeing that Carolina team that went wire to wire all year. And that then, and
0: that Carolina team was scoring like 95 points a game.
1: Danny Green was on that team. Shit, how did we forget about him? Uh, the only thing was that it was in Detroit, so I guess you kind of have a home court advantage, but it, it didn't matter. But Delvon Rowe was the only freshman starting on that team. And here's a crazy stat. I don't like pulling out stats, but when I was doing a bit of research on Rowe, I had no idea about this nugget. He had an offensive rebounding percentage. And Again, this is all in conference play, so Big Ten conference play. Had an offensive rebounding percentage of 14, defensive rebounding percentage of 22, and shot 58% from the field. The only other guy to do that in conference play was Kevin Love. And
0: efficiency.
1: Not bad company to be with, right? Efficiency. I Efficiency. Mean, Kevin Love is a potential Hall of Famer household name. A lot of people forget how impactful and necessary Delvon Rowe was to that Michigan State team that made a run to the championship game. Now, unfortunately, again, this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with being such an easy guy to root for. He was dealt a shitty hand. His career ended due to degenerative knee pain but bounced back, and he's now an actor with a recurring role on a BET program uh, called Games People Play. So I may have to check that out. Shout out to Delvon Rowe, man. He is one of my all-time favorite college basketball players. And surrounding him in the Big Ten, I got Mellow Trimble, too pretty to leave off my roster. Jared Soldier, ass too fat to leave off my roster. <laughs> Ryan Klein and Jordan Hulls, my three-point specialist, my Big Ten team.
0: Your roster is one hundred percent being my team.
1: I don't know if my team's not very good. I don't good know.
0: Either. I don't know how Jordan Hulls is guarding like Shannon Brown, but. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> He's
1: not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, quick honorable mention. Also, I feel like the past two times I've just really wanted to get these off my chest. But going along with the Illini theme, Dimitri McCamey, Uh, no real reason. Uh, he just always <laughs> used to pound the rock, like when he dribbled, he would just beat the living hell out of the ball. D Brown, I know he killed us, but D mm. Brown was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then Manny Harris.
0: Uh, I I had a big consideration for Manny Harris. I really liked Manny Harris a lot at Michigan.
1: There's a lot of down years prior to Beeline and maybe even in in Beeline's early tenure at Michigan, and Manny Harris was the best player on those teams. Whose real name, by the way, and I love when we expose real names, Corporal Ladorable Hmm. Harris.
0: Ladorable?
1: Look it up on Wikipedia. Wow. That's his name.
0: Wow, I you know what? I was looking through the lists of players and I I was, you know, I thought Manny Harris, yeah, even just Manny's a cool enough name, Manny Fresh, Manny Subramanian, for example. Now I didn't even hit the Wikipedia and if I would have, I think I would have put Manny Ladorable for this just simply from that alone.
1: It's incredible. <laughs> Truly fantastic. All right, let's finish it up with hugs, T. Who are we giving it out to?
0: You know, this one's a recent and almost it's almost an obvious hug, but we're going to stay here in the Big Ten with Michigan State. Tom Izzo's son, Stephen Izzo, scored his first points of his collegiate career in an exhibition two nights ago. Was that last night or two nights ago?
1: Last night, I believe. Yeah,
0: last night, uh, hitting some free throws there in their exhibition game. Uh, Steve, Tom Izzo has a pretty uh, funny reaction to it on the sideline you know kind of a just a wry smile so to speak of watching his son score his first collegiate points so hug to the Izzo's uh father and son coach and player Stephen Izzo getting his first points as a college basketball player
1: cold world out there Tom Izzo was just stone cold chilling on the on the uh whatchamacallit the table there Uh, yeah didn't didn't even like give a clap or anything like that kind of just a little smirk yeah Yeah. right yeah maybe like all right. At least my now now my kid has some points here. Good. Well, for he him. probably
0: now he's like, well, now he's probably like, good. I don't have to like feel yeah, bad for, ins- <laughs> for not inserting him into like a big game this year. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. 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 You already you already got yours. Because so. you
0: know there are those walk-ons that just keep missing every single time in garbage time, and you just want to get him a bucket, and all of a sudden it's like senior night against whoever, and you're like, God damn it!
1: gonna <laughs> never like, scored
0: this year. Right? <laughs>
1: Come on. Like I know you want to get on the board, but. Just please, like, take the foul and then get the hell out.
0: But we're <laughs> like, but we're one game behind Purdue, and we need to win this last game. Wow,
1: so. wow! I cannot wait for Young Izzo to to ruin the Boilermakers' hearts this year. <laughs> Watch that he's got to finish with five points on the year. Three <laughs> of them are going to come against Matt Painter's squad.
0: <laughs> great, great, because everybody else got hurt.
1: <laughs> I'm going to give my hug to a player in the exact same predicament as Steve Izzo. Is it Steve Izzo, right?
0: Steven. Steve. Steven is a I don't know him uh, well enough to call him Steve. I don't know, but
1: Pantelis Zidious, the point guard bench warmer, really, for DePaul University. Now, Pantelis, you may have seen him in a lot of clips. He is a crazy looking dude, but he's a lot of fun. He's got Rex specs. he's got some wild hair, always pumping each other his team up at the end of the bench doing some crazy dances. He actually got his first collegiate points yesterday from the free throw line as well here in Chicago. So hug for Pantelis. I'm looking forward to some original and new celebrations that he has in store for us. If you remember a couple episodes ago, we discussed that as an incoming freshman, which he's not. He's been on the team for a little bit now. But as an incoming freshman, you want to be able to at least contribute to a bench celebration. That was one of the tips that I had for incoming freshmen. Pantelis is a scholar at it. He is has his master's degree in bench sellies. So be on the lookout for Pantelis because there's pretty much nothing else to look forward to with regards to DePaul basketball.
0: He might have the best hair in college basketball. He might have the best look in college basketball.
1: He's like a nerdier Nico Mannion.
0: <laughs> nerdy, nerdy Nico Mannion. Nerdy sure, ro- Nico. Sure. I'll roll with that. I'm fine with that. Nerdy Nico Mannion out there. It's Paul.
1: Hug for Izzo. Hug for Pantelis. We will catch you next time. Uh, we are going to be previewing the Big East, and we got a little surprise for you.